ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present the Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of the Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at Wakefield Crowbar. Here now are the Killer Bees, Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. What up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? Lewis swings and misses. Christian Javier gets out of another jam with a Houdini act. Strikeout number nine in the biggest moment of the game. He's blank. I'm Branham. We're broadcasting live at Wakefield Crowbar. It's nice of Connor and Beard and my, and uh, and AC as well to hang around and uh, do the What Up H Town. You had the, you had the entire choir echoing the What Up H Town. That was cool. That was a nice touch. Really was it? Done. Yeah. Well, you didn't like that? It's fine. People, Imitation's the sincerest form of flattery. People get into it. It's fine. Frank loved it. So Frank the Tank's on board, then everybody's going to fall right in I line. I mean, if people were replicating you, it's the sincerest form of flattery. Uh, Christian Javier replicated his previous postseason performances. Uh, this, it's, we're at Wakefield Crowbar, by the way. We're going to be here until 6 o'clock. We're going to go off the air at 530. But because we love you so much, we're going to hang out with you uh, until the Astros game begins. I, I, I hear Granado's going to be here in, uh, shortly as well, handing out some I thought uh, he was, course. but there's a Granado lookalike at the bar over there. Eh, okay. Uh, <laughs> come on so. out, hang out with us at Wakefield Crowbar. Great spot. Great spot if you're looking for a place to watch the Astros game later. Uh, wall-to-wall television, drink specials, an outstanding spot uh, to hang out when the Astros play later tonight, trying to clinch yet another ALCS, their seventh in a row, or just a great spot to hang out in general, especially for UFC fights. Uh, they always show the UFC fights, always show the boxing fights, and they never charge a cover. So if you're anti-cover charge for UFC fights, for big boxing pay-per-views, well, this is your place, Wakefield Crowbar. Astros win yesterday, defeating the Minnesota Twins in Game 3. Astros were not favored in this game, but they dominated. 9-1 to win over the Twins. Christian Javier, the story. And I was thinking about this after this game was over. Should we have expected this from Christian Javier, Blankers? I know that Christian Javier has had an up-and-down season. Started the first half of the year really good. Pitched to, like, Cy Young capabilities like we thought he was. Then found some troubles, found some inconsistencies. You know, did he have some bright spots at the end of the year? Yes, but still not all the way there. But knowing what Christian Javier does in the playoffs, should we have known that we were going to get this version of Christian Javier last night? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think as much as we wanted to believe that this was the same guy in a different situation with the same result and outcome coming for us, I think we saw too much up and down late in the season, too much inconsistency throughout the season to the point where everybody wanted to believe it was still in him, it was still part of his DNA, and it was something he could do. But whether it was a tired arm or whatever people's excuses or, or what they were trying to figure out was what was wrong with Christian Javier, I don't think anybody had the kind of wherewithal internally to say, you know what, when the playoffs start, flip the switch, everything's going to be the same, he's going to be the same old Javier and everything's going to go as planned. I didn't feel that way. I don't think a lot of people could allow themselves to because of the roller coaster, but, boy, was it great to see. Cool. I'm off the hook then because I, I felt a little guilty for not having confidence in a Christian Javier who in three postseason starts has never allowed a run. Uh, last year, of course, had the most underrated game in a World Series in history where he pitched a combined no-hitter. Uh, he only gave up one hit in his previous start earlier uh, last uh, last postseason as well. Got a start in the uh, in the ALCS against the Yankees. Went five and a third shutout baseball. Only gave up one hit. And then you look what he did yesterday against Minnesota. Five shutout innings. It gives up only one hit. It came on the double after it should have been a strike three. He should have never had that hit anyways. Punches out nine. This guy in the postseason pitches on another level. He is unbelievable whenever it gets to playoff baseball. I don't know if it's the demeanor, which, you know, they, they say he has a very slow heartbeat. I don't know if it's just the fact that he doesn't let anything get to him. But you get to Christian Javier pitching like this in the playoffs, then all of a sudden the Astros have a 1-2-3 that you suddenly feel pretty confident in again. No doubt. I mean, we said, and, and look, I think his performance makes you feel better about you know him 
but you worry more about Fromber. And I think going in, we worried more about Christian Javier than we did about Fromber. But you look at it and say, look, if all three of these guys are on their A game, that's a that's a top three of a rotation that I don't know that anybody else in baseball can match. I know that you know the Rangers think they can if they get a Scherzer back. I know that you know you look at some of the te- the Braves would like to think that, but their pitching staff has had some injuries. But you look at it and say, hey, look, this is a guy that whether he just doesn't show it externally or he really does have that kind of calm, slow heartbeat and nothing gets to him. These situations, some self-inflicted, some of the ones he just wiggles his way out of, he just seems like he doesn't lose his cool. He's anti-Fromber in the fact that it doesn't affect him. He doesn't, you know, get rattled mentally. And he goes out and executes pitches time after time after time and gets out of whatever was created to get you exactly where you need to go. The two things that we always look at with Christian Javier are the hits. Are the hits low? Because if the hits are low, they're having trouble hitting him. And then the strikeouts. Because if he's getting swing and miss, it's the the old Christian Javier. The walks are always going to be an issue, quite frankly. It is who Christian Javier is. I think that some of that wildness and lack of command kind of makes him even more of a strikeout pitcher because he he is willing to nibble on a 3-1 count. He is willing to walk somebody because he knows he has strikeout stuff. So this is like he's always going to be a guy who walks a few, and he's always going to be a guy where he's going to pitch himself into some trouble in a, in a second or a fourth inning and be able to get out of it with some swing and miss. I thought he was a little unlucky yesterday. I'm not. We're not ones to to you know complain about umpires. That foul tip was. Oh I mean, it loaded the bases with one out. <laughs> that was a situation where the game could have gotten out of control. But Javier back to back strikeouts right after that. Do we not feel like that? Ha- you know, we always say the rules committee and how people. You know how from year to year they 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 get down to you know changing rules when they realize it has to be a, a dealt with. Do we not feel like that has to be an adjustment before next season? I don't know why everything's not reviewable. I agree with my, that. My biggest thing is that everything should be reviewable unless it's like a – I'm trying to think. Like, I, I think everything should be reviewable within, within like reason. Now, there's some things that are kind of like – up to the umpire's discretion, kind of like balls and strikes, I guess. Mm-hmm. I feel like everything should be reviewable. The ball strike thing, I'm, I'm, I'm either all in or all out. Either keep it the way it is or go all in with RoboZone. I don't like the challenge system that they're talking about, but that, it's ridiculous that that play in particular is not reviewable. Could have been Absolutely. a complete game changer. And the fact is, I understand that they don't want to elongate the game. And they don't want managers that are going to tinker and want everything reviewed. But at the same time, that one is one where you just, in the playoffs, it's different. It's like you know when you talk about with the NFL. Hey, it, booth reviewable, if they're watching in New York and they realize whether the officials realize it or not, or even college football they do it, where if they feel like that's a booth review because that's a big play, they have the right to stop play and get it right. That's one of those that could have completely gone and, and gone haywire for the Astros on a, on a legit uh, out for the Astros. And I'm like, they, I'm sitting there watching, they have to change this. That whether you, you have, as the team, you have to challenge it or the, the league in New York gets involved, something has to be different because that you could have cost yourself a game yeah. right there. I mean, nothing you can do about it yesterday, obviously, right. but I agree that that should be one that is reviewable. Like, why is a tip ball not reviewable? It's, it's ridiculous, quite frankly. Uh, but Javier, with that win yesterday, his postseason numbers in three starts. He's only started three games in the postseason. He is 3-0, has never given up an earned run in his three starts, 23 strikeouts and 16 and a third. It's flat-out filthy from Christian Javier, and it's awesome to see uh, that Christian Javier gave you that moment because they were underdogs yesterday. You know, Sonny Gray, way better regular season numbers, and Christian Javier uh, flat-out was the better pitcher yesterday. Astros a game away from going to yet another ALCS. The Astros lineup is out today for game four. And again, watch it here, Wakefield Crowbar. Uh, the Ast- n- nothing really really controversial at all with this lineup. In fact, we probably could have predicted this lineup based on the commentary that Dusty Baker gave us. He already announced that Michael Brantley was going to start. They already announced that Jose Arquiti uh, was going to start. The only question that I had would who would be the center, center fielder, fielder yeah. and they're going with Chaz today, okay. which Dubon had two hits yesterday. I think this is a good matchup, though, for Chaz. Chaz has a homer uh, against Joe Ryan in his career, so I kind of like Chaz in this one. If you go to a game five, hopefully not. I kind of want Mauricio Dubon in a game five. Dubon didn't give any reason to make a change because yeah. he looked good, but at the same time, you know what Chaz has done all year. And so, you know, again, if it's weird because they're not going to play the numbers yesterday when, you know, Brantley had better numbers against yeah. Sonny Gray, but they're going to play the numbers today. It's fine. I think that, you know, he wants to get Chaz going. He wants to try to get Chaz going. 
if he has favorable mat- a favorable matchup, you ride with it early. But Dubon looked really good. And the nice thing is, as much as we scrutinize center field throughout the year, you've got choices now, and it looks like Dubon is a viable choice in center field. This might sound crazy, but I, I like Chaz's matchup today. I would have played Chaz today against Joe Ryan because he has success against Joe Ryan, his homer off of Joe Ryan. The... But I would play Dubon against Pablo Lopez if you get there. I don't want to get there, but I would. And the theory that I have here is I trust Mauricio Dubon better against good pitching. Like, I feel Mauricio Dubon, one, he's got better contact skills, so he can at least touch the baseball. And if you have a guy that doesn't have, like, great stuff, I think Chaz can hit home runs off of those guys. I say that knowing full well that Chaz McCormick hit a huge home run against Garrett Cole uh, the other way. But it's just kind of the theory I have there. Maybe I'm crazy. Here is the lineup, though. Uh, not a real surprise. We already spoiled the only one question you had in center field with Chaz. Altuve at second, Bregman at third, Jordan DHs today. Tucker's in right, Abreu at first, Brantley in left, and in the bottom three, McCormick's in center, Pena at short, Maldonado at catcher, and Jose Arquiti is on the mound. I'm good with it. I'm good I'm with this with from Dusty Baker. I'm fine with it, too. And, and to your point, look, the one thing that I've always harped on is the fact that I think Dubon's a contact hitter. I think he's a shorter swing. I think that he, you know, he gets himself in a lot of two-strike jams, so to speak, but he hits his way out of it. Chaz has that big, long swing. And a lot of times, you know, that's not conducive, especially when he sees a lot of high fastballs that are slightly out of the zone. And he's trying to he's not trying to make contact. He's trying to mash it. And he gets caught a lot, gets his strikeouts a lot. I, I, I'm fine with either guy at this point. But I think that for the long haul, you got to get Chaz going, too. I'm fine with him in the lineup today. Yeah, especially considering he has good history uh, against Joe Ryan. Even though Dubon had the two hits yesterday, uh, cool with Chaz. Now, if it does go a five... Give me Mauricio Dubon. Uh, I like Arkady starting, too, uh, over J.P. France. Arkady, recency bias, sure, but Arkady was really good in his last start. And then Jose Arkady, he's done the playoff thing That's before. my thing. My biggest thing is the fact that he's been there, done that, and, and playoff experience matters. And we don't know what to expect. We saw it. I saw it, you know, in the Dodger game, too. Dodgers starting young pitching, young pitching, wanting to make a name for themselves, but knowing that moment is bigger than they've experienced before, and they kind of can choke up a little bit. I don't want to see that. Urquidy's been there. He's got the experience. I trust him first and foremost. If you need JP in a short stint later, fine. But to get the game going and to try and dictate the game early, I want Urquidy on the mound. We're broadcasting live. Wakefield Crowbar. Lots of people already out here. Our our street team's out here. Uh, Jose Jorge is out here. Granado's handing out free Blue Mountains. That's always cool. And Connor and Beard are trying to kiss up. I I understand. Uh, Car Wreck of the Day. We'll get to that later. Presented by CarWreckTexas.com. How imperative is a Game 4 win for the Astros? We'll touch on the first preseason Rockets game I've watched. Quite frankly, since Yao Ming. I watched it. Yep. <laughs> it's the first time I've watched a preseason Rockets game uh, since Yao. How big is big game Javier? And then how about Jordan Alvarez being on a different planet than literally everybody else? And Jose Abreu coming through when you need it most. 713-780-ESPN. The HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. We're on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham. It's Killer Beast on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. One thing that I have to tell you about that's going on all the time is the greatness that is HRP. Mike Holly, go Cougs, U of H class of 1990. He's been protecting the interest of businesses for nearly 25 years. HRP provides comprehensive human capital management services, including HR compliance, benefits administration, and payroll. HRP will also work with you to customize a plan for whatever you need. There's nothing cookie cutter about HRP. You're not reading off of a menu. You need a little help. You need a lot of help. Anything in between, HRP will create a plan for whatever you and your business needs. Also, their customer service is on another level, second to none. It isn't a stranger on the other side of the phone line. You'll be calling someone that's familiar with you. They're familiar with your company. I can speak to that customer service. Of course, we have HRP here at Gal. Anytime I have a question, quick response, easy to understand, even for dummies like me. Let HRP take on the demands of human resources. Eliminate your HR burden so you can get back to growing your business. Call them now, 281-880-6525. Let HRP customize a plan for you, 281-880-6525. Or check them out at hrp.net. That's hrp.net. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. You do like me. I just don't like you no more. You do like me. I don't. Live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, located at Wakefield Crowbar, it's the Killer Bees. Here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Pitch to Abreu. Is launched to left field. That one's gone. 
no doubt about it, Jose Abreu with a three-run blast in the first and a four-run assault on Sonny Gray. Oh, boy. Abreu again. Another one, and this one to the upper deck. The route is on in game three. Four, four on assault makes it sound like uh, Jose Abreu committed a crime uh, against the oxymoron Sonny Gray. And Some then may the, think he did. The uh-oh, the uh-oh by A.J. Brzezinski on the second Abreu home run cracks me up. It's I'm not, so good. I'm not a Brzezinski guy. I'm really not. But the uh-oh might have been the, the line of the game yesterday. That yeah. was hilarious. I, I'm, not, I'm not a big Adam Amin guy. And, I like Amin. And I really like Wainwright. I think Wainwright's like Smoltz to me. The insight that he brings and the way and his delivery is so easy to listen to. I think he brings a, if he wants to do this for a while, I think he should because I think he's really good at it. Um, but I haven't had a problem with the broadcasters so far in, in this series. It's been fun to watch, and the Abreu factor, just amazing that, that he was able to do what he's able to do twice. It's one thing to get Sonny Gray on a sweeper. The other thing to do it again later in the game because that just keeps building momentum for a guy that we know his resume says he should be damn good, and that's just another possible asset to cash in on if you're the Astros. He's blank on brand. I'm Joe George at the end of the table. He'll chime in uh, every now and then. The the, um, the Twitch is throwing some allegations your way. Joe George, can you confirm? Okay. Can you deny? Um, who was it that said this? I can't. I don't remember who said it. Somebody said that you said, oh, it was Gio, that Jose Arquiti would never pitch in an Astros uniform again. Is this true? Oh, um, I think that was the day Jeremy was out. I think I did say that. I Man. think that's absolutely true. <laughs> I, re- I remember that. You I know what's I- happening to you tomorrow. Bad Tech Boulevard. Yeah, you're on the list. Yeah, me and John McClain. What did McClain do? Well, he, he said that Christian Javier was coming unglued when the foul tip play happened. <laughs> and then Javier got out of it. Okay. Well, McLean made the list, too. McLean's been retweeting all my stuff, so I kind of like him right now. Well, oh. still, he still belongs on the list. Yeah, well, he's better than tweeting his own stuff my because house he shows he doesn't know baseball. <laughs> yeah, look, Bad Take Boulevard now resides in League City. I, I'm aware that, like, it's my house is there permanently. It was a bad take. Yeah, yeah. You're it was gonna, a bad take. You, we'll, we'll let you off the hook today, but you'll pay for it tomorrow. Uh, 713-780-ESPN-HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Um, we'll take your calls, take your texts, how you felt about the Astros winning that game yesterday. What stood out to you? Ocho chiming in already. Uh, Ocho's not the biggest Javier guy. No, he's not. He says that Javier took advantage of an aggressive, undisciplined approach by the Twins. Javier benefited from the shadows in the park. I will credit Javier for throwing some of his secondary pitches for strikes, even though those pitches were hanging and cringeworthy. Oh, the thing, though, with Javier is they usually hitters usually split spit on Christian Javier's breaking stuff. Mm-hmm. They just don't swing at it because they don't think he has command of it. So if you just flip it into the zone, doesn't matter if it's hanging or not, it's going to be a strike. His his release point is such that a lot of times when he's effective like he was yesterday, that slower off-speed pitch comes out of his hand looking like that fastball that's going to rise up in the zone. And then at the very last minute, it just falls off the table. And that's what creates the off-balance uh, hitter for Minnesota that gave them so many problems. Yep. I think that's why he was effective because a lot of times it's true. That breaking pitch looked like it was sitting up as it got, got near the plate and then just fell off a table. And I think the way that he was able to deceive the hitters because of his release point was big for him yesterday. Yeah, I mean, again, like, they're not going to swing, especially early in counts. Hitters are not going to swing at that slider a whole lot. They're either going to guess fastball looks silly on the slider. All you have to do early in the count, 0 counts, 1-0 counts, 0-1 counts. He's got to flip it in there. It doesn't matter where it's at, really. Uh, Jose Abreu yesterday, the two homers, the double dong game. Look, he didn't have a great regular season. Uh, didn't live up to the contract, no doubt about it. Yes, he was much better once he returned from the injured list than before the injured list. That sore back did look better down the stretch. Didn't look fantastic in, in game one or game two. But you do this type of stuff in the playoffs, you get a lot of forgiveness for whatever the regular season was. We saw it with Yuli last year. Yuli didn't have a great regular season, had a good postseason in terms of bat- batting average. Everybody loves Yuli. If, and I'm not saying that Jose Abreu needs to hit two home runs every single game. But if Jose Abreu has a good postseason, the angst against oh. Jose Abreu having a poor regular season will be forgotten and forgiven. All's forgotten. All's forgotten if it happens, and all's fair in love and war, but if you, everybody loves the playoffs, and they love winning. And if he does this consistently in the playoffs, hits the baseball, puts up better numbers, is a more consistent hitter than he was in his first year with the Astros, everybody is going to forgive everything of the past, look forward to him being here next year and beyond, and love every moment of everything that he does. 
this is I thought it was again great insight from Przinsky, and I'm not the biggest Przinsky fan, but talking about when he was in Chicago and in the kind of weight he carried in the locker room, but the way you know teams had to scheme around him because they believe they believed that he was the head of the snake. That's not something we've seen. But we saw it late in the season. We saw him kind of break out against Arizona. He was responsible for, I think, everything but a couple runs until the last game. He was, he was the offense in the first two-plus games of that series in Arizona. And it's good to see that it's carried over because, again, you add him, you add a Brantley to the guys that you're already leaning on and having high expectations for in the middle of that lineup and Altuve at the top. This lineup is totally different, and they're way more potent. And they can, they can start being that kind of offensive juggernaut that you're going to need as you get deeper in the playoffs. Someone texted in and said, tell Ocho that two for 50 is not a fluke. I'm pretty sure that's the um, hits per at-bats for oh, opponents against Javier and his three postseason starts, which is true. I mean, you give up two hits in 16 and a third in your last three starts, you're doing something well. Javier, and look, even, even this year, Javier not good in the second half. Even this year, Christian Javier was in the top ten in hits allowed per nine. He is still difficult to hit. His trouble was that he walked dudes, and whenever he gave up hits, they were over the fence and out of the ballpark. Now, I was going to ask you, do you think that it's possible with him where he can reduce the level of walks and still be as effective? Or is part of that quote-unquote wildness, but part of that, you know, where he nibbles and he's trying to do things, part of that is why he's so effective and keeps hits down because he's not afraid to throw any pitch on any count, and whether it's in or out of the strike zone, he believes he can get out of the jam I, I'm just. I was curious. No, to I don't find I, your opinion. I don't think he has good command. Like I think that's part of his of his like mo. He just doesn't have good command. He never will. And quite frankly, I also think on top of that, like if he was going to execute a perfect pitch, he'd rather miss three inches above the top of the zone with his heater than three inches below his target because now it's middle middle, right. and that's a pitch that Major League Baseball hitters aren't going to miss. And we saw that in the second half of the season. And then that slider again, like late in account, he's not trying to throw that for a strike. No, he's not early in account. All you got to do is flip it in there. But he just—he's he, always lacked command. His weaknesses has always been his his pinpoint command. He's never had it. It's kind of a weird mix too because normally if a guy doesn't have that kind of command, he normally gets hit a lot because he's forced to throw strikes in the middle of the plate but the fact that he has this kind of uncommon balance or imbalance where he doesn't have to throw the strikes he's not rattled by walks and yet he can pitch out of jams and doesn't lose his cool if he gets even if it's self-inflicted and he sets up at the table for a possible inning he can get his way out of it it's amazing the stuff he's able to do uh, and, and what he was able to do yesterday, again, is just another one of those things that we talk about legends in the playoffs. His legend status with the Astros continues to grow because every time he get, toes the rubber in the playoffs, he comes up big. Yeah, he, he's even whenever he didn't instill confidence in any Astro fans, he, he probably to this point has, now deserves confidence any playoff game he pitches in. And look, he was in trouble yesterday, I understand mm-hmm. that. But he also pitched out of it. Like, he can get the swing and miss. It's why swing and miss matters so much. You get nine strikeouts in five innings. That stuff plays. Swing and miss always plays. This is the one that, Dusty, you, you, have to, you would go with him every single time, getting it and understanding it. If Dusty says, I trust this dude. I, you know, I'm going to this guy, and I'm going to make – I believe in my heart of hearts and in, yeah. in Dusty's belly. If he's in a jam, I'm gonna, I believe he can get out of it, and he's probably got a better chance of getting out of it than if I go to the pen, and we saw it yesterday. You were on Alvarez on a different planet. Ooh, Adam Amin, I think, nailed it whenever he called that. Three for five yesterday. Very easily could have been a fourth hit as well. Could have been a double down the line on that error uh, by Kirloff, which apparently it hurt him because he's been taken off of the ALDS roster. Uh, they brought up Byron Buxton, but Buxton's not in the starting lineup today. I thought that could have been. It was, one, it was 110 off the bat. It was a hard one-hopper right to first base, and the guy's playing even with the bag. 90 feet away. I thought that yeah. could have been a double, but whatever. It doesn't matter. But another well, home run for score wise, it definitely could should have. I think it should have been. I think, a double. I think it could have been. I think it uh, and it was originally, wasn't it? Didn't they call it a double I, originally and then change it to an error? I didn't see that. I just knew that they when they made the announcement that it was an error. I questioned it. I was like, man, I thought based on how he tried to make that play because I think he was trying to turn a double play probably. And, and he's trying to get his, yeah, and he's trying to get in a backhand position, set his foot, and, and he just he, he kind of got caught. But I don't think that should be on Jordan. I think that was a, a, a screamer. Nonetheless, like it doesn't matter in the, the grand scheme of things, right. but Jordan hitting another home run. Jordan, even without that one, it was called an error. Two doubles in the game as well. Like, I don't know how you pitch to Jordan Alvarez. What I liked about that home run, too, how have, how have pitchers been attacking Jordan Alvarez? Fastball top of the um, zone. Yep. And I know Bailey Ober doesn't have overwhelming velo. 91-92. That pitch was three inches outside of the zone high. It was 91-92 up 
out of the zone, and Jordan drove it out of the ballpark. Like, I wonder if that kind of resonates with Minnesota today and may- maybe changes the game plan a little bit on how they attack Jordan. Because Joe Ryan, like, his fastball's good, but he's also low velo, 92, 93. hammers, too. And I don't understand how, they, how Baldelli just decides that I'm going to continue to pitch to this guy. I mean, he is a wrecking crew right now, and he's wrecking right through you. And I know that the lineup is potent, and there's a ton of guys that can beat you. But this is, we talk about the head of the snake. This is the, the, the big dog in the middle, of the, and he eats. And he is eating everything that's in sight. I, it was interesting to hear Roger Clemens on with John and Lance this morning talking about how he would try to attack him. And he's like, when a guy's going that good, when you almost have to brush him back, you've got to try and do some other things because of the fact that he's just in a zone where you can go inside, outside, up, down. He's going to get you. And his bat is so quick that the low pitches, he can get the bat angle to kind of get it up in the air. And otherwise, he's hitting just nothing but line drives wherever he puts barrel to, to the ball. Yeah, he's on, he's on a different planet. He's, he's going like this. He's the best player in the world, best offensive player in the world. 713-780-ESPN. You're running out of superlatives, quite frankly, on like how to describe Jordan Alvarez. He, like, you can't build a segment around Jordan Alvarez because the conversation is he's the best hitter on, on, the, in the, on the earth. He's the best hitter in the world. 713-780-3776, HRP listener line. Let's get into how Dusty managed this game yesterday. In Dusty, you trusty? I thought he was great. It's Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at MyBookie. I've been telling you about MyBookie for a long time, and it's because if you want to put money down on sports and you want to go to a place where your money's safe and secure, they're going to give you the great odds. But more so than anything else, they're going to take care of you as a customer. You go to MyBookie.ag. Because of the fact that they constantly have promotions and things going on where they can take care of you even more than just you putting money in, putting money on games, and hoping you win those games. They do things like they're doing right now with a promotion where you can either reload if you've already been a customer at MyBookie.ag or you can set up a new account. As long as you put a minimum of $50 in, you can get $200 extra dollars added to your account almost instantly, and it's there for you to have fun, bet on games, and see if you can win. If you do bet that money after getting it at least one more time and you win, you can take it out, do with it as you wish. It's yours to keep. It's fantastic, and it's part of the reason why I tell everybody to go to my bookie. They take care of you. You can bet on everything. You can bet on golf. You can bet on UFC. You can bet on soccer, baseball, basketball, college football, and pro football, and so much more. And the fact is, even when there's not games going on, you can still bet at my bookie because live dealers are standing by with casino games so you can keep the games going no matter what hour and what time you feel like getting something going. It's fantastic, but all the, to get those promo codes, you get to use this promo code if you want to get those bonuses. Bet975. Every time you're putting money in your account, use that promo code. You will reap the benefits with more in your account and more chances to win. I always tell you, bet anything, anytime, anywhere with the only place I tell you to do it. It's mybookie.ag. Use that promo code, bet975. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. You're hooked up with it. Toss a coin to your witcher. You're back in the hive with the Killer Bees. Live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at Wakefield Crowbar, here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. We are live at Wakefield Crowbar, your spot to watch the game tonight. Happy hour until 6 o'clock, by the way. Also during the Astro game, every Astro game, $20 Crawford Bach buckets, $29 high noon buckets as well. Three volleyball courts, an expansive deck, private event spaces as well if you ever want to do that. Happy hour, daily specials. Also, they show every UFC and uh, pay-per-view boxing fight without cover. John Granado is out here right now, and uh, Granado's buying everybody beer. He's buying everybody a, a Coors Light. So you come out to Wakefield Crowbar, the first beer, Coors Light, is, uh, is on Granado. So when, just keep that the, in mind. When the question is... Who wants a beer from John Granado? The obvious answer is, who doesn't? Because it's Johnny G. Yeah, it is. It's got a, lots of full buckets ready to go right here. People are soaking it up. Yeah, it's a good call. Uh, 1509, it's a really good question. We're going to save that one for a uh, mailbag Monday because I like it. Zero four. So we asked the question, and Dusty, do you trusty? Uh, last year, like he had a much maligned regular season last year. It just shouldn't have mattered because the Astros won the division going away. And then he kind of took it up a, a notch, took it to another level in the postseason. Started to do things that, you know, were kind of gutsy and worked, like the whole Abreu, jumping Stanek, and then making Abreu your second most important reliever last year, and it worked. Uh, zero four zero zero in Dusty, we trusty because we musty. Oh. 
what's I mean, you do. You do kind of have to trust on him, right? Uh, yeah. That's something you have to keep in mind. I thought he managed his tell-off yesterday uh, when it comes to the pitching staff. You can make the, like the, the Dubon playing center field instead of Chaz. Like, that one worked out. I think he would have played Dubon regardless. I personally wouldn't have played Yiner yesterday. I thought it was a bad matchup yeah, against Sonny Gray. I would have went Brantley. But the way that he handled the pitching staff yesterday, I thought that he had a master class on how to handle a pitching staff. First, letting Javier pitch through the fifth inning, where I, I think a lot of analytical managers would not have let Javier continue to pitch. Um, then you saw what he did in the bullpen, where he like, okay, he goes to Hunter Brown first when the Astros were up by uh, five runs, I think it was. Okay, that's fine. Let's see if you can get through some of these innings without using your leverage guys. Hunter Brown gives up a run. Jeremy Pena makes an outstanding play. Maybe Minnesota has a little momentum. The top of the lineup's coming up in the uh, the seventh inning. And he goes with Brian Abreu yep. in that spot. Not in the seventh. You know, he hadn't used Brian Abreu in the seventh inning much this year. But Minnesota may be getting some momentum. Top of the order coming up. And then Brian Abreu mows that lineup down. One, two, three in the seventh inning. Killed momentum. Astros go to score runs. And then you mop it up with a Maton and a Montero. I loved everything Dusty Baker did yesterday from a pitching staff point of view. How could you not? And this is what Joe was referencing and we were talking about before the playoffs started. That whether he's your closer or not. He's the guy that Dusty's going to go to in the highest of high leverage, and I thought that he used them masterfully. I thought that, you know, again, getting in the Matons and the Monteros when you knew it was getting out of reach because you didn't want to burn your guys because you know Presley's delicate if he has to get in situations where if you used him yesterday, could you use him today? And so the fact is he did everything right. I think we were both in full agreement. Look, and the numbers even – that's we talked about it in the first segment. The numbers led you to believe Brantley should be in the lineup yesterday. He wasn't. Yiner didn't look very good. I thought he was going to get the golden sombrero. But at the same time, he got his feet wet in the playoffs. He got some experience. But now you know that Uncle Mike is going to be there for you. You know Maldi was a guy that stepped up big yesterday. And it seems like to me, Jeremy, whether it's something that a, a lot of fans have scrutinized or not, it just seems like – this solidified more and more in Dusty's mind and the way he went out of his way on national TV to talk about the fact that Montero was a reason, one of the reasons why Javier was effective Maldi. means you're just going to, I mean, Maldi, yes. You're going to see Maldi the rest of the playoffs. It was, uh, it was pretty interesting how, you know, I, even in the press conference, I was listening to the press conference this morning, didn't, didn't listen to it last night, and they were talking about how great Javier was and, you know, what did you see from Javier? He was, well, you know, Maldi was guiding him. Like, I wish he wouldn't say that stuff. Like, it I kind agree. of annoys me. Like, it doesn't make me dislike Dusty. But I wish he wouldn't say that. It takes now he's a little kinda, away from Javier. It, that, it does. I agree with you. And then it's also like, look, I'm smarter than you. It validates my decision. Which you might be right. Just don't, like, tell it to me in my face. Right. Like, I, I don't like, let's go out of the way of answering a question about Christian Javier and talk about the brilliance of Martin Maldonado guiding him. We've already conceded that point, by the way. Like, I know that this is a very divisive conversation. Maldi versus Jiner. We, you and I, Killer Bees, Paul was throwing some allegations against our name earlier, earlier today. But we, we conceded that Martin Maldonado was going to be the playoff catcher for this team a long time ago. The only exception was to see catch a J.P. France start. Jose Urquidy kind of jumped him because France didn't make a start because of the family emergency. Urquidy pitched great. Urquidy now gets a start. We conceded a long time ago that Martin Maldonado was the playoff catcher for this team. One thing that quite frankly annoys me, look, I'm a – I'm a Yiner guy. I'm not scared to admit that, but I don't root against Martin Maldonado. That's something that does annoy me with the with the fan base at times, and it's a very it's a very loud minority. This is not most of you. It's a very loud minority where you're either a Martin Maldonado guy, and the moment that Yiner Diaz goes 0 for 4 with three strikeouts, you're like, look, I told you Yiner sucks, or vice versa. This happens more because Yiner's had better regular season success. Martin Maldonado has a bad day. Like, oh, play Yiner. Like, it's fine to have your opinion, obviously, you're going to pick whatever you think is better, whether it's Jiner in the lineup, whether it's Martin Maldonado in the lineup. The thing that I can't stand is when all of a sudden you're going like, oh, look look how smart I am. Jiner Diaz shouldn't be in there because he was 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. Like, what are you doing there? What, what, what do we always say when we start talking about who's playing, who's not? I hope it works out. I hope I'm wrong because I want to see this team succeed because the end result is what matters the most, and it doesn't matter the means in which you get there as long as you get there and you get the win. And the fact is, it worked out yesterday, and we always talk about, look, as much as Dusty you know, is going to trust him, and, and, and it's a running joke about in Dusty we trust him and what he does in Pawpaw's belly, the fact is, no matter what he does in the regular season, in the playoffs, when he decides to play video games, the buttons that he pushes gets him W's, and that's what should matter. I never want to hear a true Astros fan 
wishing, uh, rooting against another yeah, guy on weird. the roster because you're pulling for somebody else on the roster to succeed. The bottom line is you want the team to succeed. Don't worry about how, who does what to get there. Just get it done, and Maldi got it done yesterday. 7869 is Dusty starting Urquidy because he knows he wants to start Maldi instead of Yiner. We know France pitches that it's going to be Diaz. No. Absolutely not. No, he validated himself yesterday, like you said. He actually went out of his way to try and make sure you knew that he was right. But the fact is, what happened yesterday, what Yiner did not look like, and what Maldi was able to do, and the result that they got was all the validation that he needed, not that he needed any, that he knows Maldi's his catcher. Yeah, and also, like, Dusty's, Dusty's going to do what Dusty wants to do, yep. where if Dusty wanted to start Martin Maldonado bad enough with J.P. France, he would just do it. He would. Like, Look, he would just do it. Go back to what Dana Brown said. Dana Brown, you know, flat out told us Dusty chooses the lineups. This is Dusty's call. And if it's Dusty's call, he doesn't care what the media thinks. He doesn't care what you as fans think. He's going to do what he believes and who he trusts, and that's we know he trusts and loves Maldonado. Yeah, it, it had nothing to do with that. It, it, had no, it, it didn't have anything to do with who started um, as the pitcher today in game four. Here was Derek Jeter, who's now on the, uh, the Fox broadcast, which I, I didn't think that Jeter was going to be all that good, quite frankly, because I think he lacks energy. He's been way better than I thought. I agree. Uh, here was Derek Jeter yesterday after the game talking about how smart Dusty Baker was in that game yesterday, gave him flowers, and how he's unique relative to almost every other manager in all of baseball. There's probably maybe a, two teams in baseball that would allow the manager to make this decision right there. Mm. Uh, Javier walked three guys to load the bases in a 5 nothing game. Mm-hmm. Dusty didn't flinch. He left him in there. He allowed him to get himself out of the jam. And you just don't see that nowadays. Now, if Dusty, if, if he gives up a hit, everyone will be all over Dusty. But no one knows that clubhouse better than the manager, Dusty Baker. And the, for him to have the faith to keep him in the game, he deserves a lot of credit for that. And that's how baseball should be played. Rich, Rich, my man. And that- Thoughts? I'm trying to think who the other team is. but I, probably, I, probably Bruce Bochy. You think it's the Rangers? Who else has an old school manager? Yeah, I was trying to go down the, the, the different teams and the different managers, trying to think about it to see who else might do that to where that they would, they would allow him the full reins and total control and not have anybody analytically trying to interfere. And maybe you're right. Maybe it is the Rangers. Yeah. But when you look at that situation, and I'll say this, A-Rod, they could push him off to pasture any time now because A-Rod doesn't bring anything to me A-Rod's anyway. so bad and at everything awful. he does. And he's so phony. He, nothing that comes plus, out of his mouth is believable. Plus, he doesn't know baseball. Like, the, the other day... The, I can't remember the exact play. Like, there was, like, the tying run was going to second base. The, the other runner was, like, rounding third and going to score. And the guy threw it to, like, the plate. And the guy said, whoa, you want to – A-Rod's like, well, you want to keep the runner at first base so you keep the double play. There were two outs in the inning. You keep the runner at first because it's the tying run. I can't stand A-Rod. I can't He's either. So I can't trust him. I can't stand – Jeter's the guy, much like Wainwright. He doesn't browbeat you with what he knows, but when he speaks and you listen, you get so much out of what, extra content out of what he delivers that you know you can hate him because he was a Yankee. But I love what he brings to the telecast because it's inside information that you're striving for when you're watching the game. And when you look at what Dusty did and what he's able to do, we've never questioned his 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 locker room acceptance with the players the play even Verlander Verlander and the guys that are kind of you know get a little crotchety from time to time Verlander you know loves Dusty Baker and he's got the respect of everybody he might not have everybody loving all of his decisions and we know a couple guys in specifics Chaz and and Yiner but we also know that in that locker room there is respect throughout and and they know he's going to do whatever he thinks is in the best interest of the Houston Astros honestly I like the honestly I like the vibes like I like whenever a manager manages on their gut like I really do because like I understand the mass telling you one thing but you can also cheat the margins a little bit if your wisdom and like your experience in that moment is going to give you the better advantage. Like, you know, Dusty talks about looking and the pitcher into their eyes, things like that. But there's other things, too. Like, you can see how a hitter's swing is looking against a Javier, where the numbers aren't going to tell you that. Like, how does this look today? The shadows with Javier's breaking ball, fastball. Like, the numbers aren't going to tell you that in those particular instances. I like it. I, I'm kind of this hybrid, new school, old school type of guy. I still like an old school manager that manages with vibes in crunch time. It's the feel. It's the feel of the overall game. He has a feel for what's going on in the game. He can see that whether Javier's a little erratic with his, his location, you can see that his stuff still has movement. You can see that he's getting swing and miss. He's getting strikeouts to where 
he sees things that you don't see through your television. And I think that he has the, that com- combination with the trust that he has within the locker room means that you can have confidence believing that, especially in the playoffs, this is the guy that I will put all my eggs in his basket and I will trust that he's going to come out with the best result for this team. 713-780-ESPN, the HRP listener line. And Dusty, do you trusty? 713-780-3776. Also, look, this, this Carlos Correa love fest stuff, it, it makes me sick, to be completely honest. It makes me want to throw up. It's the Killer Bees broadcasting live from Wakefield Crowbar on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Look, conditions outside weren't great this morning. Likelihood of you or somebody you know uh, getting into a car accident, probably a little higher on a rainy day. But if you do get into a car accident or somebody you know that does, you need to call Hollingsworth Law Firm. Don't be scared about paying them this high premium or all these retainers and billable hours because you don't pay a cent until you win your case. Yeah, Jeremy, it's absolutely fantastic. The Hollingsworth Law Firm is basically focused on making sure you get out of it what you need to get out of it when it's not your fault, whether it's getting it from the insurance company, whether it's getting it from the other driver who was at fault, and between the driver and their insurance company, they're trying to nickel and dime you, whether you got to get it to a full lawsuit or you're just going to go get what you rightfully deserve. They're going to make sure they get it for you. You always feel like you're alone when you get in a car accident. Who do I call? Who's behind me? When you call the Hollingsworth Law Firm, they're behind you. They're bilingual. They're going to back you. They're not going to get anything unless they win, and they're going to be with you every step of the way to make sure that you get everything that's rightfully yours. Don't let these insurance companies run you over. Call Hollingsworth Law Firm right now for your free consultation, 713-999-8773, 713-999-8773, or just visit them online, carwrecktexas.com. That's carwrecktexas.com. ESPN975.com. Iocane powder. It is odorless, tasteless, dissolves instantly in liquid, and is among the more deadly poisons known to man. You're listening to the Killer Bees, broadcasting live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at Wakefield Crowbar. Now, now, back to Blank and Brenham. Time out there. You got to do it quick. Jeffers on the ground is short. What a play by Pena. Flip to Altuve. Relay to first in time. Inning ending double play. Probably the most underrated play in yesterday's game. You got Javier's dominant performance. You got the double dong game by Jose Abreu. Jordan hit another home run, had a three extra base hits, could have been four. But Jeremy Pena's play. Up the middle to end a rally, inning-ending double play, was nothing short of fantastic. No doubt about it. I mean, he bails him out. He makes the play. Everybody's ogling about Correa on the last play of the game, the ball that he hit uh, when Minnesota won game two. But with the impact of everything that was riding on that particular play, how it could have swayed momentum, what it could have done in terms of confidence and everything else, what a massive play that he made. And you know what? We see this. And, and again, it's kind of like Javier, where we shouldn't even be surprised at this point. Whatever he does in the regular season, he looks like he's capable of taking it up another level or two in the playoffs, offensively and defensively. He's hitting the baseball. Yeah, he's not going yard, but he's hitting for singles. He's getting you getting on base. He's doing things for you. But what he does defensively, he's never going to have the cannon of Correa, but he comes up big in big moments, and he makes those kind of plays to where you say, hey, this kid was it was the right call no matter what financially, but this kid is so much better than a lot of people give him credit for because they're still looking over their shoulder about who they used to have. Yeah, this is uh I'll be honest, I, I it makes me sick with the how tantalizing Carlos Correa is to, to a lot of people. And I even saw after game two, and look, I, I understand that people are a prisoner of the moments, the recency bias, but I saw a bunch of people after game two, well, we should have paid Carlos Correa. We should have kept Carlos Correa in town. Let's, let's look back at everything that has happened since the Astros did not pay Carlos Correa. Last year, the Astros didn't pay him over $30 million, $35 million. They played a rookie, Jeremy Pena, who won a gold glove. You get to the postseason, Jeremy Pena wins the ALCS MVP. He wins the World Series MVP, and the team wins a World Series. 
Christ. With Jeremy Payne instead of Carlos Correa, yet you're still like goo goo gaga about Carlos Correa because he has a good game in the ALDS uh, this this in game two, the last game at Minute Maid Park. Look at what those two players did this year. Carlos Correa won. He felt physicals on two different teams before he landed back to Minnesota, again on an over $30 million a year contract. He didn't play a ton, 135 games is a little bit. Carlos Correa had a worse OPS plus than Jeremy Pena. Like, Jeremy Pena had a better offensive season this year than Carlos Correa did, and a lot of people think that Jeremy Pena didn't have a good offensive year. Now, he had for a high average, like, post-July, had a home run since July 5th, and then everybody loses their mind with Carlos Correa in Game 2, and then what does Pena do? Pena quietly has an underrated play in Game 3 that gets you out of a critical inning with Hunter Brown on the mound, keeps it a comfortable lead, you go away, you win easy in Game 3, and remember what he did in Arizona, too? Yep. The tying run potentially at second base, a hard shot up the middle. Jeremy Pena makes the defensive play of the year. Yet all of you are still obsessed with Carlos Correa. It makes no sense. It makes me sick. I want to puke every single time I hear some praise for Carlos Correa. And this is coming from a guy who loves Carlos Correa. You you, you really Carlos do. Correa was my favorite Astro before he left. But, Jeremy, here's the other thing. Take it another step, too. If you paid the man. And everybody goes back to paying the man. Well, if you paid the man, would you have the financial resources and would your owner be willing to bring Justin Verlander back and soak up that money? Would you have paid Abreu or somebody else and had the money to go out into free agency to spend the kind of money that you used to spend to make this team better than it was conceivably a year ago and to have it ready for have, have the team ready for the last two years to compete for World Series titles? The financial resources, the fact that they were similar players, the fact that the difference is so great the continental divide between what you were, what people now in retrospect think you should have paid Correa versus the minimal amount you're paying Pena and how you can repurpose a lot of those dollars to make sense for your team. It's crazy to me how many people can't let go of Carlos Correa. Now, the Astros didn't go and spend their money, like, as wisely as they could have. But, you know, you're right. Like, you wouldn't have had Jose Abreu on this team now. Regular season, that was probably a net wash anyway. Arizona series, in, almost in itself, was, was I mean, worth it. I think two home runs yesterday makes that, it I mean, worth go it further, as well. Yeah. So, like, there's been some moments where Abreu's had some, some big, big time, like, big time things. And also, you're not locked up with Carlos Correa going forward. Like, this is kind of a short term ish deal that he's had with Minnesota, all of those things. But Jeremy Payne has been equivalent. He's been on the same level as Carlos Correa the last two years. He won the World Series last year as a member of the Astros, and in that World Series was the World Series MVP, was also the LCS MVP, also won a gold glove. And you look at some of the biggest defensive plays this year alone in the last three weeks, Jeremy Pena has his hands all over it, yet still a lot of people clamor for Carlos Correa. And I think it's disrespectful to Jeremy Pena, quite frankly. It definitely is, and I think that maybe that's fuel that fires him up too. But whatever the reason behind it, you knew and we said one of the sidebars of this series, and I said going into it, is going to be that everybody's watching and comparing Correa and Pena. As much as Correa stepped up in game two, what Pena has done throughout this series so far should give everybody confidence in knowing this kid can play and the Astros made the right move in letting Correa walk and get putting this kid into the starting lineup immediately at shortstop. And they're reaping the benefits on a game-by-game basis. Whether the media and everybody else and the fan base wants to admit it or not, and they can't stop sending, you know, we miss you uh, cards to Carlos Correa. I'll take uh, Jeremy Pena under $1 million to yeah. Carlos Correa at 32. 8029 brings up a great point. Come on, Branham, what about his mound visits? That's true. Uh, those Carlos Correa mound visits are just irreplaceable. The Astros are never, ever going to win another baseball game again because of the greatness of what is a Carlos Correa mound visit. I mean, the, the funny thing is when you look at it, too, I mean, and Correa's tried to do it. Correa, and you, you always, you know, as part of your love for Correa, talk about he's one of the most intelligent players in the game, and that's absolutely spot on. But at the same time, when you look at what this team needed, what this team was willing to do, as we talk about, there's interchangeable parts to keep this golden era of Astros baseball going forward. If you go out and throw out $30-plus million a year for your shortstop, and it could limit you in trying to be able to have the funds to make sure you maintain or are competitive with Kyle Tucker, maintain the guys that you have, whether it's Altuve or Bregman in a year or two, the, you know, all the different things, the Jordan contract, you know, already Javier under contract. Your whole mentality changes, and what you're able to do and your flexibility financially changes if you're on the books at shortstop for 30-plus. Kobo's uh, brings up a good point, too. He's like, don't forget about the injuries, not to mention the uh, degenerative back. How about the degenerative ankle, ankle in the plantar fasciitis? And look, I don't want to bang on Correa. I love Carlos Correa. I root Carlos. Correa. I I root for Carlos Correa. 
I want Carlos Correa to do really well when he's not playing the Astros. I did notice him walking around with that heating pad yesterday on his back, though. I was like, dang, yep. Carlos Correa, you're tw- you're 28 years old going on 50, my guy. Even even the was it game one or late in game two, he, he, he got one of his multiple hits, and when he rounded first base, he could barely yep. ter- take it I, to another level. Yep. And I was wondering if it was the fasciitis again that was acting up. Yeah. I think because even whenever he scored yesterday, round and third, like you could see him as soon as he knew that there wasn't going to be he, a throw. He pulled the shoot. He, he did. He, yep. he, he pulled the shoot. He pulled up uh, quite a bit. So I, I, he is ailing. I think he is playing through injury. But I think he's always going to be playing through injury. Yeah. Like that's who Carlos Correa is. I think he's always going to be pay, uh, playing through that uh, through that injury. A Twins fan just texted us seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. We're live. Wakefield Crowbar. The vibes here are immaculate. They're great. Granado's buying everybody drinks. It's always very fun. Uh, this Twins fan, I have a bone to pick. Why do Astro fans continue to boo Correa when he's nothing but class and has helped the Astros for seven seasons? The fans don't boo any other Twins batter when they get announced to bat. What's up with that? Pauly D from Manville. Pauly D, the first thing I would ask you as a Twins fan is I would just flip the script on you and say, well, you cheer Carlos Correa, but you boo Jose Altuve, and they were both on the same team in 17. So that's where I would start, Pauly, and then I would go and tell you that this is a new year, it's a new day, and we're moving forward. And moving forward, our only concern as a fan base is winning this damn series, winning the next game on the schedule, and getting to the next round as soon as possible. So, you know what, whatever you've done for me lately, that's in the past. What you're doing now is in a Minnesota Twins uniform, so... The fans, if they care to boo him and they don't want to give him love and support, don't care. I, I think I, I find it funny how sensitive people are to cheers and jeers. Dude, it's a it's a term of endearment. Astro like Houston loves Carlos Correa. Why are they booing Carlos Correa? Because he's the most popular Minnesota twin on the opposing team. It is a term of endearment. It means they respect him. It means they like him quite or they they I think that Houston does like him. Now when Barry Bonds was coming into town, you didn't like Barry Bonds, but you respected him because he was the best player in the world on the other team. Like I have I, I think that the sensitivity to cheers and jeers in sports is one of the silliest things that we do. Most players like to be booed. They enjoy it. It fires them up. They get them going. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. You want to weigh in on all of this, the, the Correa Love Fest, Dusty and, Dust, and Dusty, do you trust me? Uh, Jordan's greatness, Abreu's greatness yesterday, Christian Javier. Playoff, big game Christian Javier is just a, a different animal. Also, D'Amico Ryans, he, he's been defending the run blocking. That's interesting. Is it a sign of what's to come at the running back position for the Houston Texans? Killer Bees broadcasting live, Wakefield Crowbar on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Speaking of football, look, there's no baseball in Houston tomorrow. Weather's going to be beautiful, great football weather tomorrow evening. So you need to go out to TDECU Stadium, the showdown of the year. Dana Holgerson taking on his former team this Thursday. That's tomorrow, October 12th, 6 p.m. at TD ECU Stadium. The Cougars taking on the West Virginia Mountaineers. Expect an unforgettable night of college football action. It's our blackout game, and we're celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. Running a special, get tickets to three games for only $66. West Virginia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State. Go to uhcougars.com slash tickets or just call 713-GO-COUGS. Don't miss all the fun and pageantry of college football. Come early. Enjoy all the new activities in Cougar Alley in front of TDECU Stadium, including the huge LED TV screen, the Bud Light Backyard, and more. Spirit of Houston performing at the half and entertainment by cheerleaders, Cougar Dolls, Shasta, and Sasha, uh, like every other game. Again, the special. Tickets to three games for only 66 bucks. West Virginia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State. Tickets to all three, $66. You just have to head over to uhcougars.com slash tickets or call 713-GO-COUGS. Come early, be loud, and wear black. ESPN 97.5 on Twitch. All systems go. Houston is all systems go. 